What are you doing on Wordle? Is that a new Wordle? I don't know where my microphone is. <laughs> it's in my lap. <laughs> the microphone's black, so it's hard to see on my lap. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just playing the uh, the other Wordles. The like thing where all the Wordles are um, stored. Oh. So you go back and play all the past Wordles. <laughs> It's like watching the old episode of The Simpsons. Yeah. Oh, remember Vivid? Yeah, fuck Vivid. <laughs> well, I haven't... Because there's like... Uh, what? what a good little background fucking... That was, actually. There's like 250 different um, Wordle puzzles so far. Yes. One Which per day. I, I suppose that's almost a year. That's 100 days off a year. So it has been going for a while. Yeah. Um, but going back, yeah, it's not, I honestly get to one that I've already done and I'm just like, ah, oh, yeah, I have done this. <laughs> oh. It's not because you don't know, oh, number 249, that's this. Mm-hmm. Number 248, that's this. No, mm-hmm. I don't remember that. Come on. I have other things in my life, like salads. It's, um. Doorknobs. It's been surprising how much Wordle has, <laughs> has. <laughs> you just glossed over that completely. Oh, I missed it. Sorry, <laughs> I was rubbing my Eyebrows. What did you say? <laughs> I, just, I was just talking shit. Like, I was just saying I have other things to keep me occupied in my life, like salads and doorknobs. And you just, <laughs> you just, well, that's a, you just that's, pretended that it was nothing. No, it's pretty on brand for James to be worried about salad and doorknobs. Uh, yeah, I've, 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 I've now lost track of when you're like being satirical. I just assume everything is truth now. I don't. I don't know who I am, man. I don't know who I am anymore. I I've lost my sense of identity. I'm just a collaboration of all the other personalities that I know. Oof, oof. Where's the lie, though? Where is the lie? Well, yeah, it makes sense, right? We're just a product of our, you know, environment and present oof. and past. It's been a while since we've had a chat um, deconstructing the idea of self. It's probably overdue. I thought you were just going to be like, and it's not going to be now. Not so. today. No. <laughs> Oh, maybe. Who knows? It's one of those things. I think people can freak out. You kind of take it, um, take it a little bit too far, and some people lose the plot. They're like, "No, no, 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 no! I need to have an idea of self." Yeah, look, I- ideas of self help give us structure. It gives us mm. a sense of goals. Um, gives us a sense of values, but it's also okay to question them. It's not that oh you can't talk about what you get paid by your employer because then other people might ask for a raise and then you have to get a raise and then the ra- when will the raises stop dave <laughs> no we can talk well, about if old time. if if you're if you're using what you earn to contribute to your idea of self of who you are god i used to do that all the time mm, i used to be like oh i'll be happy when i'm on this amount of money and it's like no you won't Oof. <laughs> Oof. jokes on you it no. Oh, what's the the TikTok trend? Uh, just know that if you hide, it doesn't go away. I haven't seen that. Oh, you don't cool. even have TikTok anymore. Oh, this is an old trend. I, see, I'm okay. now I'm, I'm resorting to memories of TikToks. <laughs> <laughs> I can't play new ones, so it, I just remember the old ones. It's gonna be like, hey, uh, this is my compilation of memories that have big TikTok energy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's look. Tell you what, as as much as I in the moment miss TikTok, I I don't notice it out of my life, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And mm. 
I'm, I guess, I'm not shocked, but I'm surprised. Mm. Yeah. It's not a shocking revelation that, oh, well, if you don't use it, you're not really going to think about it, so you're not going to miss it. But then as someone who has TikTok and was watching TikToks this morning, it's like, oh, but I I just need to watch them. Yeah, yeah. Woof. So let's blow that out. Think about what you do in your life that has that same mentality. So much. So much of what we do is that, no, 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 I need to do that. But if you, if it was taken away from you tomorrow and you had no knowledge that it was taken away, you'd just keep going. Which is kind of nice to know that we're, we're pretty resilient. But yeah, like how many things in your life could you cut out and just keep going? Honestly, probably a lot. You know how there's this whole thing of, um, let's say someone goes vegetarian or uh, vegan and then someone's like, oh, I couldn't live without bacon <laughs> or, you know. Um, Bacon's overrated. It, it is. I, it, it's so overrated. I don't like, just put salt on something. If you love bacon <laughs> that much, just put salt on whatever else you eat and you'll be like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever because that's all bacon is. It's just yeah. salty. It's a really salty meat. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with cheese. I um, have unfortunately become lactose intolerant, mm. um, not by choice. And previously, I would, uh, yeah, you, like you if know, anyone, you know, as if you would, yeah. <laughs> I guess because you know I'm used to going to restaurants and being like, ah, oh, you know, is this dairy free or lactose free? It's not by choice because I I preempt the judging, yeah. Especially yep, yep. when you're at like a, an American style diner or something where everything's oh, cheese everything and cheese. you know um, some sort of milk in the sauce or something like that. <laughs> Um, so yeah, cheese is another one that people really hype up. I don't think it's as overrated as bacon, Mm. but I definitely think that the vegan cheeses aren't bad. If you're comparing Mm. them to real cheese, no, of course they're not the same. One's made from bloody milk and one's made from (laughs) bits of soybeans or something. Mm. Like stop comparing them. Vegan cheese has its own little, um, what would you call it? Lure. There's something that tastes really good about vegan cheese. Totally. Like, not as a cheese, but it's like, this is a weird, like, I very rarely taste this flavor. Yeah. It's kind of nice. We need to figure out another name for it so that it just stops that comparison immediately. Mm. The whole thing about this is when people say, like, oh, I couldn't leave without cheese or milk. And it's like, Mm. I used to think that. I used to be like, man, I love ice cream. I love, like, yogurt. I, you know, I love, like, a you know glass of milo Mm, mm. and then since becoming lactose intolerant i'm like holy shit soy milk is Mm -hmm. good like those um uh soy ice creams or the coconut cream ice creams Mm. incredible amazing i prefer soy milk to regular milk to me it goes oat soy um then probably regular milk yeah interesting it's yeah i don't know soy's got this kind of Tang. <laughs> no, no, totally. <laughs> um, where, like, if you have it for long enough, you'll have a coffee with regular milk and you're like, ugh. <laughs> That's me right now. Yeah, it's just gross. I've got but... two uh, thingos of um, soy milk uh, in the, like, cupboard right now in the little Tetra Packs. Yeah. <laughs> because I've been drinking soy milk so long that I'm like, oh, well, I might as well get a couple of them. And now yeah, I'm down to two. Get them in bulk. And, yeah, it's become exactly that, where I really like soy milk now. And that mm. flavor is... Because I'm not thinking like, oh, this is a pretty shitty substitute to milk. I'm like, 
no, this is just another alternative just that can go in my coffee. Yeah. That I can put in my like milkshake when I, you know, make it's, one. It's interesting because, you know, you say I could never live without that from the perspective of you have it and you've just had it and the memory is strong. If you're having soy milk every day, it doesn't take long before you forget what milk tastes like. And people go, yeah, 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 no, I still know what milk tastes like. It's like, no, 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 you would taste milk and be familiar with it. You don't remember the taste of milk. What a ridiculous thing for your brain to store. Your brain just stores enough so that it's familiar when you taste it again. So... Think about how much in your life you're like, oh, I could never live without that only because you're living with it at the moment. Think about how long it would take for you to forget what that experience is like and then you could be without it. Now, obviously, this may not apply to like uh, substances that, you know, you build up a physical addiction to. Maybe that's a different story. Yeah, true. um, I think food's a good example if you ever wanted to substitute stuff out, if you can get through that kind of phase of kind of remembering it, eventually it just becomes your new normal. Like like you said, I think you summed it up perfectly. You're not thinking, wow, this is a shit substitute for milk. You're just drinking it. Yeah. You're not, you're not constantly thinking this isn't milk. Yeah. I always, uh, there's one particular brand of chocolate that I always loved and it wasn't until someone pointed out that uh, you actually, you know, yes, you like chocolate, but the reason you like that one so much is because it's just pure sugar. It's like, oh, oh okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I just Checks want out. that sugary taste. Mm-hmm. But it also comes with a little hint of chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> I like to have some chocolate with my sugar. Pretty much. But on, you know, this whole thing, I think it's pretty surprising because I feel I live fairly comfortably without milk. Mm. right now which is really nice mm. um the only issue that it really causes is when uh like we're going out to a like a restaurant tonight mm. and i have to be like oh is this is this dairy free can i get no cheese please does does the bun have milk in it and it's just like oh god mm. just why is milk in so many things yeah salt and vinegar chips Milk solids. Why does it have milk solids? There should be potato, salt, and vinegar. <laughs> yeah, that's literally, it. that's it. That's, that's all you're advertising. Why is there anything else? Bro, whoever, whoever was, you know, CEO of milk, they got their finger in a lot of pies way back when. They probably got milk in the pie too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that sounded yeah. like a real sexual innuendo. <laughs> oh, we got milk in the pie. Mm. I'm, um, just, I'm just going to shut up. <laughs> But it is literally in everything. There's so many like like byproducts, it seems, of milk. It's, if, if milk didn't carry the momentum across history, we wouldn't be drinking it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think it's on, we only drink it now because we have been drinking it. And I know that sounds like a ridiculous comment. Yeah. But I'm saying if there was like some kind of... Uh, roadblock or shortage or something that meant that milk for like let's say five years was just not an option Mm. i really doubt that we would start it back up 
We think of, and I know it's still a, a milk product or a lot of them are milk products. Um, in the US, they don't really put like fresh milk in your cup of coffee or tea. They put creamer. So it's... Yeah, what is that? I think it's milk solids that then you add like a little bit of liquid to and it um, turns back into, you know, a liquid. It's like uh, um, evaporated milk kind of thing. <laughs> wonder if they put creamer in that milk pie we were talking about before. <laughs> Probably. Um, it's... It, it goes back to the... <laughs> you're, you're making me laugh now. <laughs> There's a saying that I really like and that's tradition is just peer pressure from dead people. Oh, so relatable. It's honestly like the people who... I feel like this is going to be a, a very broad generalization. The people who um, uphold tradition would look down on people who do stuff because their mates say so. Yeah. Okay. But then, you know, when you look at what they're doing and it's, well, it's I'm just same. doing it for dead mates. Yes. Well, okay. So put it this way. Let's say you go against tradition because of, you know, you want to go do something with your friends. So the argument could be made, oh, well, if your friends jumped off a cliff, would you do it too? You should go with tradition. Like, well, you're just doing the same thing that I'm doing, which is caring what your friends think and doing that. The difference is your friends are dead. <laughs> I, th I think of the um, the old punk song that was in a lot of the early jackasses by um, a band called CKY. Actually, no, it wasn't CKY. Anyway, um, it's a band where it's like uh, their song is called All My Friends Are Dead. Yeah. All yeah, yeah. My Friends Are Dead. Yeah, banger. I, what was did that song have a deeper meaning than I thought? Not sure. Maybe, maybe it was about tradition and how you shouldn't follow the crowd. Hopefully, don't be a sheeple. <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> my lord, I am, I am, I am so sick of the the sheep. Like honestly, there's nothing original that you can do in this world. Everyone is a sheep. Mm. Prove me wrong. If you get two people. Three people believing the same thing and doing something, boom, you got a herd of sheep there, pal. Yeah. It's also, um, it's good to just be a sheep because if we had to take in every little <laughs> bit of information to make justified decisions about the medicines that we take, the health, uh, like treatment regimes we, you know, use, the food we eat, the things mm. we drink, the places we stay, the work we do, mm. it's like... Uh, yeah, 100% right. But I would say like, like it's not even a choice. Like you just cannot operate without being a sheep. No one is an island. Like sheep get fed, we get fed. We're not doing the hunting. Unless you're 100% self-sufficient and spoiler that doesn't actually exist because in one way or another you're relying on someone or something else. <laughs> Unless you're doing that, which you can't do, then you're a sheep. Yeah. There's, um, have you heard of that uh, show? <laughs> have you heard of that show? I don't know what the name is. <laughs> um, there's a show that I think it's on like ABC or SBS where essentially they get a bunch of politicians or experts and there's essentially a panel and audience members can ask questions and things like that. Is this Q&A? Maybe. 
<laughs> audience members ask a bunch of questions and, and the politicians answers. give a bunch of answers. I can't remember. God what's damn called. it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's probably Q and A. <laughs> Look, I'm very tired at the moment. Oh. Um, there was a Q and A episode and <laughs> smooth, smooth. <laughs> I'll admit when I'm wrong. I'll admit when I'm just. I love that. I'll admit when I'm a sheep. Um, <laughs> Q and A episode. And they were talking about how, you know, vaccines, you know, they Mm. had a leading immunologist on and he was talking about this and all the things that you would hear from, um, you know, an expert. Mm. And this audience member comes up and they ask this question and they've got all of this, you know, these papers in their lap and they're flicking through them. They're trying to find, you know, this little Mm. snippet of information, you know, this little snippet and this little piece of data that agrees with what they're saying. Mm. And then they reference the, seems what um, is a gold standard reference for a lot of people that say the word sheeple now is the Joe Rogan podcast with um, Dr. Dr. M something, Dr. Malone, Dr... Something like that. I, I I can't remember his name, but I know the one you were talking about. Yeah, essentially, it was a cardiologist that went on the um, their podcast and said, "Hey, actually, these aren't safe." Anyway, this guy in the audience references them, and the real, you know, um, expert on Q and A. Then the person who has spent their whole life or whole, <laughs> you know, adult life mm. discussing, researching, and exploring the science behind vaccines, health treatments and diseases Hmm. says, well, actually the facts that you're saying are absolutely nonsense and ridiculous. Mm. And a lot of the claims from that episode of the podcast with that um, cardiologist have been debunked Mm. and that Mm. he is not a reliable source on this. And the, the audience member then comes in with this massive rebuttal and he's like, but this, and he's flicking through the paper and he's like, Oh, I need to, I need to prove this. That's the definition of being a sheep. Yeah, and that's, then, that's following through on your confirmation bias and being like, no, 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 this has to be true. What I believe, yeah, sounds like a lot like a sheep. To totally me. is. The host of Q and A then speaks up and is just like, hang on. So let me just pull back a second, and we've got a world-renowned mm. expert, you know, on this very specific topic, mm. and you're not believing any word he says. What would you ever believe any future words he says? And exactly. he was like, no. Yeah, and it's like so you're you're rig- you're not a free thinker then, because you're resisting any information. Like, but then he's listening to Doctor Malone. So why is it that you're choosing him over this guy? Yeah. Oh, it sounds like you're following a shepherd. <laughs> <laughs> there was it's, another. I I, I I just quickly I'll piggyback off that for a second. I reckon like, I think that's, a hundred percent see what's happening there, but I feel like the kind of we're treating this like too much of an argument and what happens is like when someone does that like it's funny like we talk about it we joke about like that person being a sheep but i think that kind of narrative or idea or whatever you want to call it is a little bit too easy to slip into and a thing that i think has really hurt like evidence-based science is the kind of snippiness of the responses that you know you get so someone someone who maybe doesn't have the the education here's something on joe rogan and it sounds really compelling and so they're like oh you know wow you know this induces a lot of fear and so it's no longer like 
it's no longer rational thought and thinking it through. It's like driven by fear. So they're going to hang on to it. Um, a lot of great people will go, oh, okay, like here's why that's wrong and that's okay and kind of talk you through it in a very reasonable way. But I find <laughs> behind that person, there's a lot of sheep that will kind of just shoot that initial question asker down and go, you idiot, that's not evidence-based, that's not peer-reviewed. And the person who asked the question doesn't even know what that is. And so that fear is kicking off already they're just going to double down. They'd be like, oh, well, now everyone's against me. They oh, go straight into defensive mode. Yeah, this must be a conspiracy and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the only one here. Like, because their brain is literally telling them it's yeah. you against the world now. Yeah. And, yeah, it's a little, like, I, 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 I'm not any good at this. Like, I definitely jump to that, like, why are you believing that? You're an idiot. But it does push people further that way. And I think, like, I mean, it's not on like the responsibility of science. That's a pretty weird idea to be talking about. But yeah, I feel like a lot of people have been left behind. And I think that's a bit of the reason why there is such a resistance. Yeah. I've sent you a couple of links to um, these videos in the past where they're just people being interviewed at like anti-vax rallies or... Oh, I get triggered so hard. Same, same. Oh, we're, it... we're very science orientated and we have faith in the system of science. Hmm. Um, and there's a lot of people that don't. And yes, you know, we're seeing very cherry-picked examples during these interviews of people who are just, you know, a little bit wacky in their beliefs mm. because it's mm. entertaining. Hmm. Um, and I'm not going to say that that's, you know, generalized to everyone there is wacky. It's mm. just these examples are kind of interesting and funny. Well, the kind of examples are people who are clearly, like, peaking on drugs. Hmm. So, like, I, you know... If you were to get them outside of that experience, they're probably a pretty reasonable person. But while they're like tripping balls, they're <laughs> coming out with some corkers. There's one example that I think of where the interviewer is just like, oh, you, you were saying um, do your own research. And they were like, yeah, yeah. If you, if you go to the CDC, which is the American Center for Disease Control, if you go to the CDC website and you go through their data and you, you see this and you'll, you'll see that it just doesn't add up with what the <laughs> mainstream media is saying. And then the interviewer was like, okay, so you, like you trust the CDC? And he's like, no, why would I trust them? <sighs> and it's like, but you're using their data. If, if you're thinking that they're going to manipulate the sort of conclusion of the data, they've probably manipulated the data yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, people would be able to see through it. Oh, it's, it's wild. I think um, one thing that I've been trying to, to be a bit better on all this as well is like maybe not be as harsh with my criticisms with, with science and academia. Like for me, academia is not my forte. I get very kind of frustrated and caught up in a lot of the like little kind of finer details. Mm. And often that shows up in like skepticism which is, I guess, probably me being defensive. But like, um, I think even back to like, as an example, like my thesis for masters, I was just like, like I, I would kind of criticize all these ideas and like, we'd still kind of go ahead because, you know, you don't, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You still do your best. You talk about the limitations later. Sometimes I forget that and I get frustrated and I go, nah, this has just been it all. But I've got to be careful because, you know, going in and saying that 
kind of stuff, being skeptical. Other people see that and go, oh, so here's a person with experience who's rubbishing this whole process. And they're not necessarily going to think, okay, that's one perspective. And like, they're not going to know my biases. So they're going to make up their own narrative and they're going to go, oh yeah, see, even the people in there don't believe in science kind of thing. So it's like, it's frustrating. Like cherry pick information to oh, agree with confirmation. hundred percent. So like, it's, it's one of those things. It's really frustrating. It's not, it's not really anyone's responsibility, but you know, if we kind of have our own little PR managers in our heads when we talk about this stuff, I think it's really important to kind of, you know, try and bring people together on this because it's just so divisive all the time. Yeah. Also, like on the opinions, for sure, there's that real divide. Mm. But there's also, um, I, I often think about this in like a traffic sort of situation you know how it's so easy to you know, someone cuts you off and you you're instantly on that like oh you know you yeah, bastard yeah. you know Screw why would you do guy. that I've been waiting in this you know queue for the lights yeah. or, <laughs> I've been waiting for this turn off or you know whatever it may be mm. <clears throat> doing psych degrees and then becoming a psychologist it's really helped me being like rationalize that and be like oh they probably just really need to take a shit yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> they've cut me That's off because so their um, girlfriend has you know. Uh, found the secret stash of presents hidden under the bed and they've got to rush home to... That's way yeah, more innocent yeah, than yeah. just taking a shit. But um... <laughs> I, I think it's a good point, right? Like um, when you understand how our brain works and how easy it is to trigger a threat response that mm. goes, hey, what about me? What about me? <laughs> if you can separate yourself from that process and go, oh, okay, that reaction is not who I am. And yeah, it sucks. Like you feel it. You're like, hey, this guy's wronged me and that's a threat to my existence. Yeah. If you can go, okay, that's just my brain kicking off, then you can be the one in control and go, well, you know what? I'm not going to act on that. Yeah. And like it's it's so hard to do in the moment because your brain is going, nah, don't be a pussy. Just fo- <laughs> just, just hit this guy. Got it? <laughs> like, and you're like, why would, I, why would I do that? That's so, I've never done that. But brain's pretty compelling yeah so there's that real like it's hard to you know understand someone who's got a completely different opinion to you Mm. it's also hard to understand that someone's at a completely different emotional level the person who cuts you off yes but it's also uh, hard to understand exactly what someone else is thinking those real you know Mm. this is what their sort of train of thought is this is their knowledge this is their expertise and i had an example that uh sort of made me take a step back the other day Mm. um So prior to, you know, uh, my current job, I was working in the whole corrections and prison system as a psychologist. So there's language that I learned in that that isn't common (laughs) place for people who haven't worked in prisons or the legal system. Mm. And, you know, I did three years working in a correctional environment or parole system. um, And that's given me access to specific knowledge about that. Mm. And mm. I was hanging out with some friends the other day and um, I was trying to think of this. We we're talking something about, uh, you know, going to jail and, and whatnot and how the money that you invest in helping people actually helps reduce, pardon me, reduce their recidivism. Mm. And I was trying to think of the word recidivism. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, what's that word when like, uh, 
you know, people keep going back and I was like, oh, recidivism, of course. And, and everyone, everyone just, was like, I've never heard that. <laughs> like six people looked at me like, we've never heard that word before. <laughs> I'll be honest. I thought you stuttered. I thought it was a, a different word. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so, re- recidivism. So, yeah. What? So recidivism means uh, people who are likely to enter a correctional facility again after mm. being released. Yeah. Yeah. There's that. Well, they're likely to further be indoctrinated into mm. the prison um, system. Mm. And to me, I know the word recidivism. And other people don't. And I just thought like, oh, I know this. Everybody knows this. Yeah. I I, I take my own knowledge for granted. And I don't realize that other people might not know that. Mm, I I think in psychology, especially, it's a, it's a difficult thing because we're working with people. And I think mostly we're talking about, you know, relationships and social situations and stuff like that. So it's hard to remember that the people like not everyone has this knowledge. Yeah. Um, I think it's, you know, if it makes sense in a career like engineering or mechanics, like, of course, if you haven't, you don't know Newton's third law. (laughs) Well, yeah, I never had to apply that. I don't even remember the trigonometry that we did in high school. Oh, I, I love a bit of trig. Um, but if like, if you haven't, ever opened up a you know if you haven't lifted a car bonnet you're not going to know anything about it Mm. and like there's a pretty clear distinction because not everyone well everyone drives so this is kind of a an apt metaphor but no one not everyone fixes their car but i guess you know working with people everyone talks with people everyone has social relationships or family relationships so it can be hard to remember that, you know, some of this, you know, psychology stuff that we talk about, it's not as common as we would like to think. Yeah. I think a good example of that is um, talking to people about sleep hygiene mm, yeah. and, and the things that I just assume everyone knows. Don't use your phone before bed. Don't have yeah. caffeine. I once um, was talking to a client um, who experienced a lot of anxiety whole lot of anxiety like Mm. anxious from the moment they you know wake up to they go to bed um and it really impacted their sleep cycle you know their Mm. eating because when you're anxious you don't want to eat yeah or you want to comfort eat so you're eating you know things that are really high in like sugars and whatnot Mm. and he i asked him like oh you know like i I see you've got a coffee there how many coffees do you drink a day and he's like oh like 10 9 (laughs) i'm like ah have, has anyone ever like explained how caffeine is actually a stimulant and can exacerbate your anxiety? And he's like, what? See, that's amazing. It, it, it makes my anxiety worse. Why am I drinking it? Why am I having so much? <laughs> so, that's mind-blowing. Yeah, it blew my mind that he hadn't um, you know, learned that caffeine is in coffee, caffeine is a stimulant, mm. and having lots of it increases anxiety. Oof. I, I can, you know, this is making me think like, um, I think people can slip into that with short-term thinking around mental health. Mm. So if you wake up and you feel horrible until you have a coffee, you go, oh, cool, I have coffee, I feel good. I'm going to have 10. And and then you do that every day. Why am I feeling so shaky? Yeah, you, you get anxious. But not only that, like if you, you start messing with your sleep, that's going to start messing with your anxiety. 
you don't realize the kind of long-term effect. Like you might say, oh, you know, I woke up today, I felt fine, I had a coffee and I had my second, now I'm super anxious, you know, I, I, but nothing happened today. I didn't go out of the house, but it's like, no, you've had like a couple of weeks where you've had crappy sleep. Your body's going to think that you're in a dangerous situation or something like that. Yeah. Um, a really good metaphor that I heard kind of explain this is you need to treat your brain like a garden. So the things that you do now are planting the seeds to be able to, you know, reap the rewards in, you know, a couple of days, a couple of weeks, depending on what it is that you're planting. And so with that metaphor, our bad habits are weeds and they take off quicker because they just, they're a lot easier to grow and they like affect everything. I like that metaphor. Yeah. That's nice. And especially considering now um, it's been raining a whole heap in uh, in Brisbane and I've had to mow the grass <laughs> and the grass yeah. itself like yeah it'll grow pretty you know semi quickly because it's just a lot of rain mm. but the thing that really makes it look unkempt is that the weeds just zoop, they yeah. are so fast within like five days it's like oh man you gotta be on it I and then I see all my neighbors that we we live in an older area people have been here for you know many many moons and they are retired so they have so much time to like mm. really perfect their lawn perfect their garden everything looks so neat meanwhile my partner and i are you know working and we're just like oh and it's been raining a lot <laughs> and the weeds and it's like i just mowed that yes yes you can't keep up to it you gotta all the all the retirees will be shaking their heads yeah so I, I, I like that metaphor a lot i i, I think um you know people would love to you know tend to their gardens in the way that they would love to just go to Bunnings, pick up a whole set of new plants, do a bit of self-care as they call it, plan all these new things and go, wow, look at my garden. That's amazing. Mm. You leave that garden for a week and don't do nothing to it. Oh, guess what? It's all going to be dead. You know, all the weeds will be taken over again. Yeah. So when you, yeah, when you treat your mind like a garden, you can, you can see the reason why you're putting in the effort, I guess, too. Yeah. It's like you're, you're taking a bit of time and, you know, doing a bit of weeding or a bit of pruning and it's not pretty, but um, it, you're keeping up to it and you're not expecting it to be done and fixed and, oh, good, I'm, I'm better now. That's it for the rest of my life. There's a tow truck outside. I can see it. Oh, <laughs> I was like, what is that noise? <laughs> There's a, would you believe it, a magna on the back. The old stuffed magnas. Oh, the magna. No. <laughs> oh, I see that magna cruising up and down the streets. One of my neighbors. Oh, not anymore. You don't. Um, <laughs> that thing has sounded broken oh. for like five months. Well, look, say what you will about the magna. They'll sound broken for a long time <laughs> before they break. You know, I've driven a number of cars and I think I've said this to you before, Dave. Um, the scariest car I've ever driven was a mate's Mitsubishi magna. Because Ooh. it was old, it was auto, it was front-wheel drive, and then it's got a massive oh, six-cylinder, <laughs> and you put your foot down, and the thing just, like, shakes, and you oh. just, you're just like, this is, this is the car that's you know, I need to be careful it's on. A nightmare. <laughs> I also remember that um, another one of the scariest cars you've ever been in was a, a, a KE71 Corolla. Mm. I don't think you were driving. It was like a, f a friend that took you on a, a mountain run. And it was like, um, 
it was naturally aspirated, but it was this little Corolla from like the 70s and apparently it was the quickest you'd ever been up the mountain. I'm having vague memories of this. Okay. Maybe you. Maybe it was traumatic and you've blocked it. Probably. I probably <laughs> have blocked that. Yeah. I mean, they're not exactly... They're 30-year-old... Well, more now. 40-year-old mm. mm. cars. Jesus, yeah. Um, mm. I yep. can't remember. I, I remember it being a weird story because I, I, there's not many stories that include you being the passenger because you love driving. Yeah. And I think that uh, we were talking about my anxiety on um, another episode and we got a couple of comments to do a part two and I guess this is where a little bit of that part two comes in. Mm. And um, my anxiety has been one of the biggest sort of players in that. Yes, I do like driving. Mm. But even in situations where I'm like... Oh, just really can't be bothered, you know, mm. just driving and focusing. But I feel that I have to because my anxiety is like, oh, you can't be a passenger. Yeah. Ooh, no, can't do that. What, what if you need to pull over? Then you have to be an, in, you're, you're going to be an inconvenience to them and the trip. And, oh, and then, you know, what if you feel really anxious and then you just, you just want to get out of there, but you can't tell them to stop and you, you're going to cause them to feel upset and then they're going to not like you. And that's, go- that's the voice of anxiety too, if ever I heard it. <laughs> You can tell that I've experienced it for many, many years. Yeah, um, yeah. It's been a... My anxiety has been a backseat passenger that's been trying to grab hold of the wheel for a long time. Ooh. Ooh. That is a... I like that. I like that. That's a... Yeah, that's a little insight into how it feels. It's like a, a kid that's in the car that's not driving, but they're trying to reach over and tell you where to go and... Mm. and really you know mess with you and it does it how can you focus on driving when there's this going on it's i've i haven't quite had the same level of experience but um i've had a similar experience in that yeah it's like you're you're tired and you have the option to be passenger but it's almost preferable to just be tired and driving Mm. because you know you've got that control yeah control is a big thing Anxiety hates situations with unknown variables. And when something is in your control, it even though it might still be a little more unknown, there's still that sense of safety with, okay, well, I can at least do something mm, to get mm. myself out of there. The old avoidance. Mm. So I remember one of the first times where I did a, a big road trip um, and I was a passenger. And prior to it, I was really anxious. Actually, there was another, it wasn't the first uh, example, but it was one time when I was helping you out when you were still a roofer and we had to drive, oh. what was it, like six hours up to Gundia or Gundia. somewhere. Jesus, um, past, past Gimpy in a car that had a four-speed gearbox. And, <laughs> and we're towing like 20 oh tons of material. God. Had about two horsepower. <laughs> yeah. So there was that. And I was really anxious before that. And it was like, oh man, like, I know that I trust you as a driver. That's that's not even a question. <laughs> Did you trust the car though? Because that's the thing you shouldn't have trusted. <laughs> <laughs> well, funny enough, I was like, well, I've been in this car before. It's it's you know it's fine, <laughs> in a way. <laughs> it's fine. The little house burning down. It's fine. Yeah. See, my thing was, <laughs> my thing was okay. My anxiety is telling me that... So, when I get anxiety, I feel like really nauseous. Mm. I feel like I'm going to throw up. I feel like I need to run to the bathroom. Mm. And my thing wasn't the like, okay, well, I, you know, oh, Dave's an unsafe driver or, oh, this car is unsafe. It's none mm. of that. It's that 
well, what if I throw up in Dave's car? <laughs> Worst things have happened. <laughs> but, that's, but, that's the truth, right? Yeah, Worst yeah, things yeah. have happened in that car. But, but my anxiety but yeah, the is still... Anxiety t- is like, yeah, what are, like the, the kind of social... Like, that's an awkward event to have to kind of experience and go through. And, and then yeah. we've still got another X amount of hours dealing with a smelly car. Mm. And then I have it's, to be like, I'm sorry, Dave. I'm so sorry. It's 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 funny, hey, like, you know, this this kind of stuff. Like, I think we can all identify, like, how how illogical it is. But it's so hard to tell that part of you... To, to stop worrying about it because mm. it's not working with logic. Yeah. I think that's the thing that kind of... Um, I don't, I, I, I've probably said this before. I repeat it quite a lot. But like when people say things like, oh, you know, why are they depressed? They got nothing to be sad about. Why are they anxious? They got nothing to be anxious about. It's like, yeah, that's, that's kind of the point. Cheer up and calm down. <laughs> Thanks, I'm cured. People are aware that they have no logical reason to be sad or anxious hence the concern yeah it's like and the frustration yeah it's like things are sweet and this thing is just niggling at me driving me crazy like debilitating me that's why i'm concerned Mm. it's not that i have a lack of awareness in, in my current situation it's this thing yeah hanging around 100 and that's why it's called an anxiety disorder and there's been a meme mm. that's getting around um, that I don't truly like where um, it's setting up like a, you know, um, a doctor's asking someone saying, you know, oh, how much anxiety do you have? And they're like, oh, just the normal amount. And the doctor's like, oh, the normal amount is none. Actually, anxiety is a really important emotion. Mm. Yeah. If you see a snake like next to your foot, like let's say like a really venomous one, especially living in Australia, there's bloody mm. snakes everywhere. Um, <laughs> if you see a snake... Anxiety is going to tell you to get the hell out of there or mm. to be hypervigilant about where the snake is going mm. so that you can then deal with the threat. Yeah, if you're if you're taking that approach in a very chill way, you are going to be in danger. Yeah. And if we think of in a more modern um, like, you know, work sense, let's say there's a deadline for work mm. and you're feeling a bit anxious about, oh, you know, I'm not sure if I can get this done in time. That anxiety is actually helpful because it gives you that motivation to be like, all right, well, I need to get on top of it at the start. Mm, so mm. then I'm not rushing at the end. Or if you are rushing at the end, it's going to give you the fuel to get it done. Exactly. Which I think, well, not think, I now know looking back with that hindsight is why I was so successful in the very final <laughs> hours before an yeah. assignment. Yeah, yeah. I would pump it out because my anxiety was 15 out of 10. Pinging. Absolutely pinging. Not the good kind. It's, I, I did a, <laughs> I did, I did a um, like part of my thesis was on like um, decision making, um, which was pretty interesting. They talk about like the expected value that you get out of something. And so in those last few hours, like the expected value that you're going to get out of your work is quite high. If you haven't done anything and you are absolutely going off for four hours, you're going to have a finished assignment in four hours of course you're going to jump into that. You've now got this expected value, you know, whereas if you start it, say, two weeks earlier and you do two hours of work, what are you going to do? Do a title page, choose your font. (laughs) Yeah. The the expected value is like tiny. So you're going to be like, eh, eh, that's fine. I think of that SpongeBob episode where he's (laughs) writing and... For like what seems like hours. Yeah, he's like, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And there's like this nice (laughs) montage of him like, you know, writing on the paper. And then at the end of it, 
he holds it up and there's just this like the word the yeah but, but it's like super fancy yeah it's in like <laughs> a really nice um like i guess cursive font kind of thing yeah yeah it's like um like those old novels where the first word was like all basically a work of art to start yeah. the page yeah right. pretty cool um Having an you know a normal amount of anxiety is a very healthy thing. It's an important emotion, and when people talk about like, oh, I just you know wish I had no anxiety, well, it's like actually that would be a problem because then you mm. would do dangerous things. Mm. You would be more likely to drive without a seatbelt because you wouldn't see the point in wearing a seatbelt. Mm. You would um, you might see like a tablet on the ground and you'd be like, well, it could be paracetamol or it could be MDMA. Don't know. Let's find out. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, that's that's not good because it might not be either of those things. It could be something completely different. It could be like a little bit of um, like those little rat baits that you leave around. <laughs> rat sack. Rat sack. Could be one of those. Could mm. be, I was just um, being that we live in Queensland, it's humid as. We've got some um, one of those damp rid containers where you put oh. the little crystals in on the top and they absorb the water, mm. and um, it could be one of those. <laughs> they could, could be crystal. <laughs> don't pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, could be ice. Could be a little water absorber. You don't know. You don't know. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. I think like yeah, part of what it is to work with that anxiety is like separate from it and use it as a um, as an input, mm. as you know someone who's offering advice rather than who you are if yeah that makes sense i love when you see those natural remedies in stores um and it'll be like made with this herb and they're good for mild anxiety and i just immediately look at them and I'm like ha try me yeah <laughs> <laughs> you think you can take me on you can't you're dreaming <laughs> what's that one that helps you sleep um lavender no no uh melatonin Actually, there's science behind melatonin. Oh, okay. Oh, I was just about to rag on melatonin because no. I know nothing about it. So, I, I had a I had uh, someone say to me that they were taking melanin tablets. Like that's the, um, the skin. skin pigment thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just want a nice tan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sleeping very well, but I'm tan I as dope. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, there's science behind melatonin. Um, yes, you know, if you have a really, uh, you know, chronic insomnia, it's probably you know it might do a little bit. But it's not going to be like a real heavy tranquilizer that just makes yeah. you pass out. It's going to, you know, help get your body into some sort of natural cycle where it's like, oh, I'm feeling a bit sleepy. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to be like you think of a, a proper tranquilizer that they use in like medicine and um, whatnot, like ketamine or something. Yeah. <laughs> that that's going to put you out. Look, right? I wasn't going to say it, but uh... <laughs> look, you don't want to go into the K hole. But you know. <laughs> oh. Yes. I remember we had a house party at um, my old share house and I don't know who the dude was. He knew someone there. Um, being that we're in a share house of, what, six people? Yeah, six mm. people. And then a couple of our partners were pretty much living there as well. So it was a very busy house. Mm. And then we had all our mates around and then some mates of mates rocked up because they're like, oh, hey, this massive party's happening in the share house. Come along. So this guy rocks up and, uh, you know, Meet him, he seems nice. We're, we're having a few beers. And then I go off and I'm talking to, you know, a bunch of other people. And I come back. We're, it's the middle of summer, so it's hot as. We've got an inflatable um, pool in the back. Um, just like one of those cheapo ones. And he's in it, in his full clothes. And he's just screaming out like, I'm in the K-hole. <laughs> I'm like... And that was the day I learned what a K-hole was. And oh. I'm just like, 
What the? I love that so much. What is going on? He, I think the man had seen a god and it pulled his heart out of his kneecaps <laughs> or pulled his soul out of his kneecaps. Oh, maybe that was just, it might have been a, a pool from Kmart and that's just the words he put together to describe the pool. <laughs> no, the K-hole. It's filled with water. I'm stuck in it. <laughs> Get me I, out. I feel so heavy. Maybe that's the sopping wet clothes holding you down. <laughs> It's a good metaphor for life. Maybe you should just take the clothes off so it's not holding you down. <laughs> just take the clothes off. Just run, calm down. Run free. Don't be anxious. Thanks. <laughs> Have you tried being not anxious? Have you tried turning uh, tried turning it on and off again? Look, look. Sometimes that Sle- th- sometimes that helps. Sleep is eventually like eventually is exactly that. Got a headache? Just have a nap. Have a nap. How funny is that? I. Sleep still amazes me. Like, you know, I can, we kind of understand what happens. You know, you, you're consolidating memory and, you, and you, you, you're trimming the garden as it was. You're getting rid of any connections that are a little bit useless. But yeah. it does seem kind of funny that we need to do it. Yeah. Like, if, if, if anything was going to be the downfall of humanity, surely it would be the fact that we're like offline for eight hours at a time. Mm. Yeah, it's... It's a big thing. I often think about how productive we could be if we didn't have to sleep. Is that capitalist mindset (laughs) (laughs) creeping in? Mm. Productivity. It's also ridiculous when you think about what our modern work week looks like in the fact that, okay, well, there's eight hours of work, eight hours of sleep, eight hours of free time. And it's like... Which that's that's not true. No, that doesn't work like that. Because you got to get to work, for one. You've got to do all the prep work for work like ironing your clothes or you know getting your tools ready whatever it is yeah you got to get the prep work for you just existing yeah. in terms of you know going to the store buying food oh so much of life is just admin yeah so really you get 30 minutes to watch what a third of a movie and then you got to go to sleep otherwise you know you watch half an episode of ozark and, and go to bed <laughs> yeah oh so it's it's a bit ridiculous, but that's that's a whole rabbit hole we could go down. Mm-hmm. Um, I look forward to, and I think we've talked about this maybe two podcasts ago about how some uh, places are adopting the four day work week, mm-hmm. paying people the same, but you just do four days of work, and I think that's such a brilliant thing. I don't think it's the perfect answer, but I think it's a good step. Yeah, I'm still, still, I don't, I don't know that that really is a four day work week, like. In some places, yeah, I'm sure. But like, you know, like we've known a lot of people who like run their own business kind of thing and mm. like they basically work seven days a week. Like, yeah, you know, even their days off, they're kind of still not on call, but they're thinking about it and they're doing this and they're doing that. Like, yeah, totally. Um, I, 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 I think we should lean a little bit more towards the Amish and think about how we can just have more and more people doing less. Because like your four-day... Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I see yeah. the point. Your four-day work week, I feel like there's going to be a lot of companies who are like, yeah, we're going to do it, but they're not going to do it properly. And what you're going to have is people doing four 12-hour days in a row and then catching up on stuff on the you know on their first day off. And, you know, it's, it's going to be a bit of a nightmare. Because like... I still know now, there's so many people that I've chatted to who are like, yeah, you know, um, 
I, I, I finish work, but then, you know, I get, I, I get home or I log off and have dinner and then later I'll come back and like finish up what I was actually meant to be doing. And it's like, well, like that's still a lot of hours. Like, you know, even if you did slack off through the middle of the day, that's not relaxing. That's not actually time off. Mm. And you're dedicating a lot of time to work, you know, where you're not doing the things that you enjoy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I like... You think about all those hours. If you just look at that as hours, which I know this is kind of thinking about it in a vacuum a little bit. You think about it in terms of hours. Okay, so all those people are working this many extra hours. Okay, tally them up and then hire someone else to do those extra hours. Now, I know it's not a direct transfer of they'll just be able to do it. But like surely if you just had more and more people you get to the point where people are running out of work. Oh, okay, I haven't got anything to do. I might have that extra day off. So you're kind of approaching it from the direction of we want less work for people so that they can have the time off. I think what they're doing now is, okay, we're just going to take a day away from people and not take away any of the work that they have to do. And so then people just freak out on those four days and burn themselves out in a different way. Yeah. But like, obviously I know it's like, if you're, if you're running a, a business by numbers and you hear more people, more pay, you're just going to freak out and go, well, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah, that sounds kind of scary from the other side. It's uh, got to be running these businesses by values, not by money. Mm. Problem is, if you do that, your business is going to go down the tubes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when we there's a therapy called DBT. Uh, that you would know very well. Actually, you'd probably know more than me because you've done the DBT course now. It's dialectical behavior therapy. Mm. Um, and there's a principle in that of you've got your emotional mind, your rational mind, mm. and then you've got the mix of the two, which is your wise mind. Mm. So your logical, rational one is the one that thinks things through without any emotion or anything. And then the emotion one, obviously, is just pure emotion. Mm. And mm. if you listen to either of those, they're not super helpful because they're not, really getting you exactly what you need they're not the whole picture no and they also don't communicate on the same level even though we like to think they do Mm. so when we try and use the logical mind to tell the emotional mind to shut up it doesn't work you know the logical mind's like talking in you know stats and 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 logic and you know here's why you shouldn't feel like that and then the the emotional brain just goes well but i still do yeah (laughs) you know that hasn't changed it. I still feel this way. And it, you just go back and forth in that argument again and again and again and again and again. Yeah. Until you go, well, what does the wise mind say? How, what, what's, <laughs> what's the mediator say in this situation? How do we incorporate both of those things? Yeah, definitely. Mm. It's, a, it's a really interesting principle that it doesn't have to be this yes or no. It's the gray. It's the best of yes. both. The, the easiest thing that I've found is... Um, like I, I like this is getting a little bit broad again now, but like, s- say and rather than or, or say and instead of but. So you know, I the logic. Oh, there's all these reasons I shouldn't be feeling this way, and I also feel that way, mm. and those both coexist. So yeah. you're at least not fighting yourself constantly. You can then redirect your energy into what it is that's making you feel that way rather than trying to explain it away. Yeah. It's a good point. Mm-hmm. This is like, my God. If, if that's, that's probably the biggest thing I took from DBT. 
and like you talk to people about this stuff and they're like oh my god i've never i've never framed it that way i just thought it was me arguing with myself but when you can split it up into those two different ways of thinking that don't align then they go oh what a waste of time to be struggling arguing like that let's let's and and it gives you a reason to reframe it too yeah you can you don't have to invalidate anything you take both of them in the wise mind comes in you look at it like an adult boom away you go yeah i think that's brilliant <laughs> ripper i have nothing golden. to add to that golden on that uh actually like pretty <laughs> that was pretty sound advice yeah pretty sound advice <laughs> i know what i'm talking about sometimes <laughs> um I think it's uh, time to finish up. One hour. Yeah. We're just about done it. It's the way we do it. It's garbage. But sometimes... Uh, we like to make it. Yeah. Look, this is uh, another episode of, um, I guess, us talking talking garbage. Sometimes positive things. See you on the next one. Bye. Bye.